Hi, I'm Warren Davies, the Unbreakable Farmer, and welcome to the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast, where I have the privilege to be joined by some amazing people I get to meet in my travels and share their stories and wisdom with you. After all, one of the most powerful assets of any community is the shared wisdom, and the best way to share that wisdom is through storytelling. So sit back and I hope you enjoy today's episode. G'day and welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is a 17-year-old musician who has actually been playing gigs with one of my favourite bands, the Bushwhackers, where I seen him play um, in Nathalia a couple of months back and he's absolutely amazing. Blew me away with his talent. Um, He's a multi-award winning guitarist, singer and songwriter and one of those songs that he's recorded is uh it's really um intrigued me because it's um it's called because boys and it's a insightful look into uh, the mental health struggles that that young men have and the associated challenges that they have for um reaching out for help he also did a video um, on the back of that song uh, for headspace which is just a conversation with a couple of mates and that's uh a really um, good video to watch, which I'll post after we've um, we've done this once this um, podcast goes live. But um, really, I'm absolutely wrapped actually to inv- um, to introduce Rory Phillips to the to the Beyond the Back Paddock um, podcast. So welcome, Rory, and and thanks for coming on today, mate. Thanks for having me, Warren. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. And um, just just got you as um at the end of the school day, so that's good. We're um recording in the afternoon here today, and um, you're just telling me that yeah, it's been a just one of them days at school. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but I suppose just jumping straight in, I, I'd like to delve a little bit deeper and and find out a a little bit about a bit more about you and and growing up and. You know, from that Headspace video, I um, picked up that there's a bit of a Kiwi connection as well. So we might talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've I come from Tumut. I've grown up here most of my life. I've moved around a little bit. Um, I spent some time in Phillip Island when Dad was working on a project down there. But I've spent most of my time growing up here, um, and it's a it's a beautiful area. I think it's really formed me as a person to um to some respects um but you know um i um i started doing music when i was about six uh, and i've just i don't know i took took it and ran with it really um i got my first guitar lesson and i've been going for 10 years now over 10 years um so yeah so growing up in 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 tumut um for those that don't no tumor tell us a little bit about that town and and you know some of the things that it has for a young fella you know some of the things it has to offer for a young fella growing up well um if you don't know tumor you probably know a town like it it's a small town there's probably seven thousand people here on a good day um and i think you know as i was saying forming me as a person i think more it was the lack of opportunity of things to do, certainly in terms of music. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of opportunities outside of the arts in Tumut, particularly for sports. Um, but 
for what I wanted to do, um, it's really had to take me further afield, which I guess has kind of been a bit of a blessing and a curse, you know. Um, certainly it would be nice to have a lot of, like a big music scene, a lot of local people, but um, I found as time's gone on, I've found a lot of them anyway. Um, you know, there's there's a lot hiding in town um, that you sort of have to dig through to find, but also, like I say, the lack of having anything really here has driven me further afield and has given me a really wide view of music in Australia. You know, I've gotten to travel a lot already at 17, which is a pretty cool thing to be able to say. You know, I travel all the time. Um, so, you know, it was it's a positive and a negative thing, but I prefer to look at the positive and say, well, look where it's taken me, you know. Yeah, that's that's um, that's true, and and something else that I I picked up from that video is that um, you said you know, obviously as a musician, and that's your cho- chosen field that you you're not overly sporty. So how did that affect um, I suppose fitting into the community, or um, you know, just because you're not sporty, and you said that Tum it's a bit of a sporty town. Um, how did that affect growing up? Did that cause any challenges? Well, I won't beat around the bush. It was it was a bit of a rift, to be honest. Um, Tumut is predominantly a footy town, a league town, um, and you know, just generally in a in a wider sense, if you're not playing league, you're probably playing another sport. Because I mean, I'm sure you know how it is growing up in small towns. There's not a lot to do. You know, we don't have a movie theater or a bowling alley or a music store. So if I break a string, it's a 300k round trip. Um, which isn't ideal. But, you know, so I suppose it's the typical small town thing of, I guess, sport is what people do to to entertain themselves on the weekends, and that's fine. Um, But I never really gelled with it. I've never been a particularly coordinated person. Um, About the most coordinated I get is playing the drums, Um, and sometimes I manage to impress even myself with, you know, well, how can I how can I have all this limb independence and play these tricky drum parts and yet not catch a ball when it's thrown to me? I don't really understand it, um, but it's it's the way I am. So, you know, I think, yeah, it did kind of, it caused a bit of a rift. Um, even like, you know, I've, you know, I've experienced a bit of isolation and bullying and all that kind of thing. You know, I guess it's a bit of a dirty word, but it happens, especially in small towns. But even, even in a more passive sense, you know, like a lot of people make their friends through sport and you have like sporting groups and stuff. And I, I guess I just never got to experience that. So it was, it was a different thing um, than I'm sure the average Tumut kid, their experience of growing up here was because yeah, I, I, I didn't, and I still don't really play sport. Yeah. And so, yeah, music was your passion. Um, so you just touched on that before. I think you said you were um, only young when you first had your first guitar lesson. Was was it something when you first started? What um, was it something that you thought would end up probably or will be most likely your career, um, amongst other things? Like as I've mentioned in a couple of posts, probably prime minister as well. We've already heard that as in, in the way that you talk, mate. That you're gonna you're gonna go far. Um, so, um, when you picked up that guitar and had that first lesson, did you think 
you know, 10 years later that this is what you'd be doing, you know, on a pretty regular basis? Um, I don't know if I thought it, but that was definitely, was definitely the hope. Um, you know how, I mean, I was six, you know how kids are. I want to go to the moon and be an astronaut when I'm older and they have all these dreams and some of them are more achievable than others. So I don't know if I really thought that I'd be here in 10 years, but I definitely, I, that was what I would have liked to have done. And it is, it's still what I'd like to do. And to be honest, I think if I could, um, if I could show six or seven year old Rory that this is what I'm doing now, 10 years later, I think I'd be pretty proud of myself, to be honest. Um, it's, it's been an amazing journey so far. And to be honest, it's really only just starting, um, which is kind of freaky to think about. Um, but it definitely, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. Was one of those um, mind blowing things at that, at that gig in Nathalia when I seen you play to to think you were doing what you were doing up there as a seventeen year old kid that was that was amazing um, and yeah I'm not I'm not trying to blow wind up your backside mate you were good and um and and you were playing with some some legends that night of the of the music industry and you held your own no worries at all so um so those lessons in tune was just a lot was just a local um, instructor or, or teacher, or did you were you going further afield from that early age? Um, well, I had I started off with a teacher in Tumut. He actually I tell a slight lie about not having a music store. We don't have a music store anymore, um, but probably up until maybe eight years ago now, we did have one um, and that was him. He ran his own company and he he ran the music store. He was predominantly sort of um, like town band, brass based, you know, brass and drums really was sort of his his thing, I guess. Um, but he was, a, he was a jack of all trades to a degree. Um, but, yeah, so he taught me lessons and he ran the music store and um, like – you know, he was nothing incredible, but he definitely to be able to teach a six year old is a is a special skill. Um and you need to have a patience greater than I. And I think he did. Um and within I think within about sort of I don't know, twelve months, eighteen months, I'd probably outgrown him to a degree. So I went to another local teacher, and I use that word lightly because really all I would go and do is I'd go around there once a week um, and I'd get in his little granny flat that had been converted to a music room for, you know, 45 minutes at a time and we would just jam. I would play guitar, I'd play drums. It was just the two of us and we'd, we'd get in and we'd just, you know, muck around on a bunch of songs. And I'm sure a lot of purists, if there's anybody watching, would be turning their nose up and going, oh, my God, what is he doing? You know, he's not learning any music theory. And that is true. I learned no music theory. I still struggle with that a bit. But I tell you what, it really taught me how to um, how to sit in with a band on very short notice. You know, if somebody somebody just invites me up for a jam, I don't really have any nerves or trepidation about that I just take it as it comes um, because I was taught from a young age how to play with other people and 
when I say taught, you know, it's not something you can't learn that from a book. There's certain aspects of music you can learn through rote learning, but um, I really don't think um, playing with other people is one of them. You know, it's just something that you've got to get in and do. And when you first started it, you suck. Um, and I think as time goes on, you suck a little less and eventually, I don't know, you develop some kind of skill of um, getting in a room with heaps of other people and making a sound that most people would perceive as good. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's interesting, that perception of what does sound good. And um, obviously some of the music that's kicking around these days doesn't sound good in my ears, but that's only my perception. Um, well, I would tend to agree. <laughs> so growing up, um, once you kind of mastered that instrument, which was the guitar, um, and obviously a, f- a few other instruments, who were your influences, I suppose? What were your musical influences? Well, right from the beginning, and anybody that knows me or has read or watched or seen anything I've done would know this is coming. Um, ever since I started developing a love for music and that was long before I picked up my first guitar that was at about age three um it was Joe Walsh from the Eagles and it always 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 has been um but you know also by extension all the people that used to run in those sort of 70s circles so you know it was him and Don Felder and then later on um I discovered sort of the 90s sound, I suppose, and I, I really gelled with that as well. You know, the Foo Fighters would probably be on the list as my second favourite band after Joe Walsh or the Eagles, if you want to put it under that umbrella. Um, and, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, all of those, um, that sort of era, I really found, um, I, I suppose I connected with that a bit. Um, I definitely like that style of music, but honestly, anything in between. I like quite a lot of the 80s stuff, you know, um, Ultravox, um, and then go right back to the the 60s and 50s, like Bill Haley and his Comets, and um, really spans a wide range in terms of genres. You know, I can go from listening to (laughs) progressive metal or like, you know, new metal, corn, something like that, to Simon and Garfunkel, anything in between those two ends of the spectrum, I generally tend to like. An interesting playlist that you, you've got on your um, on your Spotify account. <laughs> um, yeah, so that those influences of, like, would have... Um, you know, developed how you were, I suppose, listening to music as well. And as you said, you're probably not so much into the theory. So a lot of that would have, an, like those influences would have had an impact on your playing style and all that um, sort of thing along the way. What other instruments do you play or have you mastered as along with the guitar? Well, I don't know about mastered. I'd say the only one I've and even mastered sounds a bit pretentious, but definitely my strongest instrument is the guitar far and yeah. away. Um, probably followed by bass. I'm quite good on the bass. And that is, um, that's kind of to, as a credit to um, Roger, Roger Corbett from the Bushwhackers, because he he called me up one day after I had posted some video of me playing a wedding gig on bass with my second guitar teacher, the um, 
the jammer guy. Yeah. Um, so he spoke to me one day and he said, hey, um, I'm doing this wedding gig and it's going to be a little, it was a three-piece set, four, no, four-piece set. It was a four-piece set. He said, there's going to be me and we'll have a drummer, uh, but I need a bass player and all, all the people I'd usually call are busy. So, like, I know you play guitar, but you've got a bass. Would you consider coming and playing some bass for me? And I went, yeah, okay. So I learned all these songs in really short notice and sort of fudged my way through it. If I looked back on it now, I'd probably say that I was terrible. Um, but I did enough to get by on the gig. And Rog then called me up after seeing this video of me playing a bass, sort of first time I'd ever gigged with a bass in public. He said, hey, you know, the Bushwhackers are always really short on bass players. Do you want to come and play some bass for us? And basically threw me in the deep end and said, swim, you bastard. And I did my best and I doggy paddled for a little while, but I'd say I'm I'm doing something akin to swimming now. Um, so bass is, bass is quite a good one, um, but also drums. I've been playing drums for a while. I consider myself a bit of a hack drummer, but I go okay. Um, mandolin, I can fake my way through. Ban- banjo, I can fake my way through. Um, you know, little odds and sods like harmonica. Um, I just bought a keyboard a little while ago and I'm teaching myself some piano. That's definitely the weakest link in my arsenal at the moment. But honestly, anything that's got strings on it and you can pluck, so not like a violin or a cello or anything. I've tried them. I sound like a dying cat. Um, But (laughs) anything with strings that you can pluck, I can... You know, I can play enough to fake my way through and get by. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with all this, like, so we've started off with the off with the music stuff, but so how do you fit school into all this, mate? And and t- tell us a little <laughs> bit about school and, you know, um, and I believe that next year you're school captain, so there's a bit of that leadership coming through. So tell us a little bit about that and how you fit that in. Well, yeah. This week is actually a great week to be talking about that because this is how my week looks, right? Monday, go to school, come home this afternoon, what we're doing now, recording the podcast. Um, Then Tuesday, tomorrow, mum and I are going to get up and we're driving to Newcastle to see Paul McCartney. Um, So that'll be a day off school. Then we're coming back from Newcastle on Wednesday and hopefully I should be back in time to rehearse for an, um, an after school gig type showcase thing that we're doing which isn't actually a school event but it's all school kids so that's going to be after school if I make it in time fingers crossed hopefully um then Tuesday I'll go uh sorry Thursday I'll go to school again um and then Thursday afternoon head up to Sydney Friday morning I'm doing a another event in Sydney And then Friday afternoon, I'm at the arts unit doing school spec. Um, It's a styling day on Friday, so I'll be being styled. I don't know what they're going to do with me there, but they could try their hardest. Um, And then Friday afternoon, I think we will be heading back down. And weekend, honestly, who knows? I don't look that far ahead. So, yeah. The, the answer to your question, how do I fit school in, is the, the short answer to that is with difficulty. Um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of juggling involved, but I try and do as much as I can of both, yep. of both school and music. So you just touched on that as well. So um, your, 
the featured artist at the New South Wales School Spectacular this year. Is that correct? Is that what what your role is in the School Spectacular? Yes, certainly is. So what um, what's that entail? Well, it entails things that I'm not really used to, to be honest. It's a it's a different world. Um, you know, it falls under the Department of Education Arts Unit banner, so it's kind of it feels a bit more school based to what I normally do. You know, what I'm what I'm usually doing is getting out and just playing random gigs in pubs and uh, pubs and bars and you know things or at festivals in people's bands, you know, there's definitely none of that. I mean, you're hardly going to take a bunch of school kids for a showcase at the pub and call it the Department of Education, you know. So it's a it's a very different thing to what I'm used to. Um, and they've taken my guitar off me and they've even made me dance a little bit, which is very <laughs> scary. Um, but it's a completely new experience and it's going to be held at Kudos Bank Arena, which has a capacity of about just over 20,000 people I think so um it's it's by far and away the biggest crowd I've played to by about probably a little bit more than double um so that is it's a bit scary but I'm ready for the challenge and I think it's going to be a really good platform to um push myself out there and you know get a few more people to notice me I suppose and um moving forward with with your music like um once you've finished school um what what would your ideal i suppose day look like or um music or what would the type of music or ideal day what would what would you see rory doing you know you know in you know 12 2 years 3 years 5 years time what would your ideal day look like well, to be honest, my my short-term plan I'm thinking is just finish school and sort of take, I suppose, a gap year, but it's not really a gap year, just just time to work out um, what I can, what I'm capable of without being held back by school, you know. Not that not the school holds me back, but it's more just, you know, I can't exactly go out and tour because I've got to be somewhere on Monday you know, Monday through Friday where I can. I mean, obviously there's exceptions and I take days off here and there, but there's always somewhere to be during the week. So I suppose my short-term plan is just to have a year where I've got nothing Monday to Friday and do as much music as I can, you know, go out on the road with people, see what it's like to tour with bands, um, find some people that will take me on as a guitarist, I suppose. Um, But, you know, I'm also enjoying the solo thing a lot. So I'd like to slot in solo gigs where I can. Um, Really, I think just give it a good, a really good crack. And then if it falls on its ass, we go from there, you know, and I'm, I'm doing reasonably well in school. So something like uni is an option, you know, doing a trades an option, a TAFE course is an option. But my first preference is to just get out there and see what I'm capable of with a free year. Yeah, and so what sort of bands or just being like a, a sessions player in any sort of band, any sort of music, or would you prefer to go down a certain path? Um, well, you know, there's a lot of artists that I look up to and I think particularly in the sort of the scene or the circle that I travel in, 
um, that I look up to and I go, you know, that's the sort of band I'd want to be playing in. You know, um, I've tried, I've tried a lot of things to, to mimic more than myself, you know, be it jam tracks, loop stations, recording yourself into, you know, garage band or logic or whatever, and then playing back over the top of it. And it all works kind of, but there's nothing to me that will ever compare to getting in a room with, you know, three or four other people and just playing some music. So I'm not very particular on what sort of music I would want to play. I mean, obviously I'm going to have to enjoy it on some level, but as I've said before, my tastes are pretty broad. So I'll take on anything that I feel like I would enjoy listening to, which is most things. Um, So, you know, like, for example, the stuff I'm already doing, I've been playing for the Bushwhackers for three or four years now. They sing a lot of songs about sheep. Um, so I do I do sheep-related things in their band. You know, it's very different um, to what I would normally listen to, don't get me wrong. It's not like I get in the car and I put on a Bushwhackers playlist. Maybe if I'm heading to a Bushwhackers gig and I need to brush up. But that definitely, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy it because I do love the Bushwhackers music. Um, and then I play for Sarah Storer as well a little bit, which is, um, I suppose they're not that far removed really musically. It's definitely songs about the very Australian songs about being on the land, you know, a bit rural kind of thing, which I guess suits me because it's the environment I'm from, you know, I'm a country kid. Um, I won't shy away from that. I definitely feel like I embrace that a lot. Um, but you know, in terms of, what sort of music I like to play the most. It's probably blues or, you know, sort of the the heavier side of country. Um, someone like Blake O'Connor comes to mind. I don't know if you've heard of him, um, but he's got this – he's just moved to Nashville, actually, and he's got this stonking great big band with, you know, horn sections and um, rhythm guitarists and backup singers and just the whole nine yards. And I look at I look at that sort of band and I go, you know, that'd be really cool to be a part of. I've had opportunities to play with um, big bands, and I mean big bands like sort of you know seven eight piece bands um, over the years, and it really creates a, a big sound, you know. So in an ideal world that's probably the sort of thing I'd be doing, but um, they're also not all that common bands that big, you know, quite often you see people touring with three or four pieces. And when you look into the logistics of it, it makes a lot of sense because the money is incredible. You know, you got to think you're forking out accommodation for everyone every night, flights, food, you know, the whole nine yards. And the more, the more people you're adding and less you're, doing really big gigs and you're making loads of money well you've got to find a way to cover your costs somehow which is I suppose you know people spend a lot of money in the studio trying to get a big sound and they put keyboards and horns and you know all these kind of crazy things on their recordings and then when they go out it's like well we can't really afford that so let's just take drums and bass and another guitarist and sort of what you see is what you get I suppose Um, so that's kind of that's a luxury really I think so just before we 
I want to get on to, um, wary of our time will run away, but I want to get on to about your song about uh, called Because Boys. But um, in, your, in the musical sense, what sort of or who are your mentors? Who, who are the people that are guiding you through these early stages of your career? Well, I mean, if you wanted to hear them all, I'd probably <laughs> be here for a long time because I'm lucky enough that I have a lot of mentors and I know I speak to some young musicians and their, you know, their mentors consist of like the local country music club, you know. Um, so I feel, I feel quite lucky to be able to say that I have a, not just one or two, I have a series of um, people with, you know, steady careers um, that, really know what they're doing and um, really have my best interests at heart that are able to guide me, you know, some stellar songwriters and musicians. Um, Probably, to be honest, the first couple that come to mind would definitely be Roger Corbett from the Bushwhackers. Yeah. As I've, I've mentioned him already before, he sort of, he gave me my start into the I suppose the session world playing, playing in bands. Like I'd done it before locally, but, I'd never had bands of professional touring. Well, they don't tour that much, but, you know, of a travelling level um, come to me and say, hey, we want you to play. Um, but definitely also my the second one that came to mind immediately was um, Lynn Botel. Um, her and Roger run a program in Tamworth called The Academy together. Um, Lynn's the director and Roger's the general manager. And um, I know people use the phrase, oh, it it changed my life. They use that very lightly. Um, But genuinely, the Academy did change my life um, because it's where I first met Rog and and Linny. And um, Linny taught me to sing. I wouldn't be half the singer I am today if not for her. Um, And she's got an absolutely incredible voice. Um, So she really helped me grow as an artist as well. You know, before I was, I was just the, the kid who could play guitar pretty good, but, you know, when he opened his mouth, he was nothing special. Um, and to be honest, I still don't think I'm all that special, but I can definitely, as as humbly as I can say this, which is not very, I can definitely notice an improvement in my singing over the last five or six years since I've been with Linny. Um, so those two come to mind. Also, I think I would have to mention... Bill Chambers, um, I was going to say son of Casey, father of Casey, because um, he really, I know, I don't know why that came into my head, um, but he really, he really did start me off into the scene, I suppose. You know, this is when I was eight or nine and I had just been to an Eagles gig, actually, which is a crazy thing to be able to say. As an eight or nine-year-old, um, there's lots of people that don't and still haven't got to see the Eagles in their lifetime, and I've seen them twice. So I feel very lucky. Um, but I went to see them in 2014, and they had Casey as one of the support acts. And I remember mum had asked me a couple of weeks prior, because um, she was coming to the Montreal Theatre in Schumann, our local theatre, oh, do you want to go and see Casey Chambers, and I said, oh, who's that? She goes, oh, she's a country artist and typical, you know, eight or nine-year-old, you either love country or you don't. And 
eight-year-old me did not. Oh, country music. Oh, I don't like country music because I just, I don't know, I guess I had this perception of it that it was all sort of traditional country, you know, the slim, dusty sort of sound. And whilst he's a pioneer of our genre, he's never really done it for me. Um, You know, and that's okay. That's just an opinion thing. I definitely will never bag him out because he's done incredible things for our industry, but he was just never the sort of music that I was into. So anyway, I shunned that idea. And then I went to see the Eagles and she was supporting. And I just remember her coming on stage with her band and Bill ripped in with this incredible slide guitar solo. And I was just like, I was fixed to him straight away. And I leant across to mum, probably three songs in, and I said, hey, do you reckon we could still get tickets to that gig in Tuma? She goes, yeah, I think we could. Anyway, so she took me to see Casey probably two or three weeks later. Um, And when the gig finished, Bill went and stood out in the front foyer and he was talking to people um, as they went past in true Bill fashion. Anybody that knows him can attest that um, he's definitely not one to shy away from going out to meet people after the gig. He's a lovely, lovely man. Um, And, yeah, I I went and saw him and, I mean, you can imagine it. Little nine-year-old kid comes up, hi, Bill Chambers, I went and saw you at the Eagles. And, you know, if you're you're Bill aged, I don't know, something old um, and see a nine-year-old coming up and telling you that he saw you at the Eagles, I think I'd prick up as well. Um, so we started having this conversation and, oh, yeah, my favourite guitarist is Joe Walsh. She's like, oh, no way, so is mine, you know. And we sort of, we bonded over this love of old 70s music, which he lived through and I didn't. Um, but we were talking for a little while and he said, well, do you want to come backstage and meet Casey and the rest of the band? So anyway, I met them and I had a couple of photos and let me play some of his guitars. And... um Mum and Bill exchanged some details because by then we'd already established that I played some music and I'd I'd only really been playing for a couple of years at this point, so he was kind of taking a gamble. But Mum sent through some videos and he said, you know, he's actually pretty good for for his age and all. Um, I'm doing this gig in, I'm coming back to Tumut and I'm doing a a solo show with Catherine Britt um, and we're also doing a gig in Canberra and do you want to come along and support? So I supported them at those two. And then after that happened, um, he said, well, you know, if you guys, and this is talking to my parents, if you guys can get him to Tamworth, um, he can get up on my show. And Catherine said the same thing. Um, So that was, I suppose that was enough motivation for mum to go, well, okay, I guess we've got to get him to Tamworth then. So that was, um, that was sort of the, the catalyst for me to coming to Tamworth for the first time. And I've gone every, every year since. Um, so that really helped me get connected in the industry. So I would I would have to mention him and by extension Catherine as well, but particularly Bill. Um, so probably, I mean, I don't want to go on too long on the one question, but if I had to pick three, it would probably be Roger and Lynn and Bill. I think that my biggest mentors over the years that have had the most impact. Um, and not too many 17-year-old kids can roll off some big names like that if anyone knows anything about the music industry they're all fairly um well i think they are they're pretty big names in the music industry to so to have them as mentors that's going to um that's going to stand you in good stead um into the future 
Moving on to this this song that's really piqued my interest because obviously I'm a mental health advocate and I definitely do most of my work in rural communities. But this song that that you've um, that you've released called "Because Boys," tell me the inspiration behind that and how it all come together. Well, once again, I've got to start talking. Um, I'm going to start this subject on Roger Corbett again, don't I? <laughs> Um, he seems to be a bit of a character that's popping up a lot in my life story. Um, so I mentioned earlier the academy um, that him and Lynn run. And so I was up there. I actually, I had been as a student twice by that point. I went to their junior course um, and they invited me. It was my first time actually. And they invited me to come and be an intern um, they said, you know, you've been a student a couple of times now and there's this new thing that we're trying out um, and we want to we want to provide a platform for young people that are a bit more experienced than the average student that comes but definitely, you know, not experienced enough to be on staff yet. It's sort of that interim, I guess. Um, and so I came along and they said, you know, you can come and play guitar in the band and just help out the students wherever you can, you know, be on deck to do whatever jobs, coffee runs, wash the dishes, you know, the typical donkey work of an intern. And I, I did my fair share of that as well. But don't get me wrong, it was so much fun getting to do that. And towards the end of the course, I suppose as a little bit of a reward, but also because um, Rog felt that we were deserving of writing a good song, they scheduled a co-write um, for me and our other intern that we had um, then, Freddie Bailey. I don't know if you've heard of Freddie Bailey, another young, he's, I say young, he's a couple of years older than me, um, very talented artist, guitarist as well. Um, he's, he's an absolute shredder. He's incredible. But um, so I started writing this song. Um, Roger had suggested a title in a songwriting workshop. Writing from a title was one of the things. And I think it was him he threw out. You could write a song called Because Boys and sort of just threw it away into the air like it was nothing. And I'm sure all the teenage girls immediately thought, well, that's going to be a love song, isn't it? But I started off and I thought, well, you know, there could be could be something a little bit deeper in there. So Freddie and I took that to Ashley Dallas, golden guitar winner extraordinaire, um, and she helped us to write that song. And it sort of, I guess the co-write just started off as a conversation of um, Ash, Ash spoke to us and said, well, you know, you and Freddie are mates. So how would, you know, how would you feel if Freddie came to you one day and said, hey, man, I'm not feeling too great, you know. And that was kind of, that was what spawned the idea for the song combined with what Roger had said earlier and the own little spark that, happened in our brains and Ash definitely helped to um, bring that idea into something a little bit more fleshed out. But we sat down and we wrote the song in probably a couple of hours or less um, and we had something had something finished pretty much as it sounds on the recording. Like it was in a different key and there was a few words that were different but it's not like some songs where they undergo a large metamorphosis of the original demo to what you hear at the end. It was pretty much as you know it now. And so any of the, I suppose, the inspiration in the song, did that come from any of your own experiences growing up um, or those of your mates or anything like that? 
Well, you know, and this is this is the bit where it gets a bit tough, but we've all had somebody that's, you know, either you've been affected or you know somebody that's been affected, um, family members, friends. So I think anybody um, would be lying to say that it's this song isn't based on some of my own experience, some of my mates' experiences. Um, and I think, again, anybody would be lying to say they can't relate to this song even just a little bit. And it's a sad thing, but it's the truth. You know, I've lost mates. Um, if anybody watches the video, there's a dedication at the end. Um, and that was a young friend of mine, Ethan. Um, and he, unfortunately, he lost his little battle. Um, yeah, it, it was an unfortunate thing. But um, I think, I don't know, I wrote I wrote the song. Um, I, I won't say he directly inspired it. Like I didn't go into the co-write thinking I want to write a song for Ethan, but it was hard. You know, when I finished the song, it was hard to not look at it and go, well, you know, what would he think of this if he was still here? And I definitely, you know, there are times when I'm singing it on stage and he comes into my brain and other people that we've all lost, they all come into my brain. So I don't think it's, it's definitely not directly about anyone, but, um, you know, I can relate the song to some of my own experiences, yeah. And once you release that song, what sort of feedback did you get? Because if you listen to the lyrics, which I have over and over again um, since you sent me the link the other day, um, it's so real. They're the conversations that I have in rural communities week in, week out, some of the stuff that's within those lyrics of that song. So what sort of feedback did you get once that come out? Did you... Do you have anyone reaching out to you or, or talking to you? And obviously then at the Headspace video as well, um, which is, you know, basically a group of young men sitting around having a chat and having these conversations. So what sort of feedback did you get? Well, again, I'm going to sound really humble when I say all of this, aren't I? But the feedback has just been really incredible, to be honest. The song has... I don't know, Um, it's just, it's really gone under its own power a lot. Um, And I think, I don't know, I guess there's something to be said for songs with a message. I wrote a song a couple of years ago um, called The Truth and that was more about, I don't know, I guess it was just a, a message to politicians or people in positions of power to, you know, hey, stop lying to us kind of thing and just tell it like it is. Um, no, to, to interrupt, to interrupt, I, to interrupt you there. That's that's where I get the the bit of the the, the, the what could be a prime minister in you somewhere, mate. Because that, if you have a look at anyone wants mate. to look at that video, and I'll put that in the uh, link in the show notes. Is there's this unrecognisable young little fella that's quite different to the Please young fella that's me. sitting to me in front of me now, and and he's belting out this song about you know calling. Um, the politicians of our country to account and it's uh, yeah very strong but yeah so well look I don't think I could be prime minister because I'm not nearly corrupt enough to be a politician but there you go <laughs> um but you know I just I think there is something to be said for you know if you write a song with a strong message and I mean obviously there's other things involved you've got to know the right people and know the right platforms to push but I think if the song has a message, and it's a good song, it will go far. Um, 
And I think I'm lucky enough to have been able to sort of prove that to a degree, I guess, with Because Boys, because it's just been picked up by a bunch of people, you know, including yourself. But this isn't the first opportunity I've had to talk about this song. And it's a great thing because that was really, to be honest, that was all I've ever wanted to do with this song is just to start the conversation. Um, you know, if if people are talking about it, then that's a win for me, good or bad. But, you know, gen, generally it's a good conversation and um, I know of of people that have sort of the, the conversation's been started um, about mental health, you know, because they've heard of this song or, you know, it was on the radio and we've done radio interviews and just talking about how it's managed to reach people. Um, I was lucky enough that when I, I actually or did, I did my first audition for Spec um, and I auditioned with this song and not only did I get in, but they then offered me um, to come up to Sydney and do the boys' vocal program, sort of, I wouldn't say as a tutor, but again, similar to Academy, somewhere in that sort of interim between student and teacher, um, you know, with a bit of a helping out hands-on role. And there was about 80 or 90 boys, I think, that all came and sung this song in a choral arrangement. It was arranged by um, Stuart Davis. And we also had Arlo Sim come and help. He's an incredible artist. Um, But just putting together this piece that had, you know, pushing 90 boys um, singing your own words back to you, well, it was was a pretty incredible experience. And I know, you know, you see it on big concerts all the time, how all the artists, you know, they're pointing the mic out in the crowd and, yeah, you sing, you know, but I never really expected to experience that, definitely not at age 16. Um, So that was an incredible thing. And then just to just to go one better, um, they contacted me not too long after that and said, "Well, hey, do you want to put the um, you want to put the song in spec or have the song as part of the show um, if you're interested?" And of course, I was, and that's what's led me to being a part of that. So um, I'm going to get to perform my own song at School Spectacular, which is pretty nuts, really. Um, so, you know, that's it, I've been really lucky that the song's had a big impact because that's really all I've wanted it to do. And a, and a great song to to be sung in that, I suppose, in that um, forum as well, that the State School Spectacular, because it's got such a powerful message. How then did that lead into, how did that involvement then become with Headspace? How did that all come about? Well, that was actually, that was before anything spec related. Um, We sort of, mum and I reached out because we wanted to film a clip for it and we were, you know, the music industry is expensive. I've I've (laughs) spoken about that a bit earlier with the cost of touring and things and anybody that's in it, you all know, it's, it's very, very expensive. So when we decided that we wanted to shoot a clip, mum and I, um, we thought it would be a good idea to, I don't know, shop around for a bit of funding, I suppose. Um, And so we went and spoke to, I think we spoke to Are You OK as well and they weren't really able to offer much. Um, But we we got in contact with Headspace and they they decided they liked it and they threw a little bit of cash. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't like it was a massive paycheck, but they helped out a little bit, um, which was great. And as part of that, I... 
I filmed that little video which you've mentioned um, with me and the other boys that are in the clip um, who I had just met that day. Um, it was shot by Jeremy Minette um, of Eyes and Ears Creative. He's an incredible videographer and I've had the chance to work with him a few times now um, through myself and through the Bushwhackers as well. He, they're sort of, um, he's sort of just their go-to guy at the moment and he's a great bloke. Um, and he also teaches guitar. So he said, he said to all the boys, he kind of swindled them into it. Um, he said, look, when you, um, I've got this thing, I've got this thing, right? I want you to do this thing. It's very nonspecific. Here's where you got to be. Come dressed in something nice. Um, and you're going to be part of a thing. And that was about all they got given. And these poor boys turned up and right, you're going to be in a film clip. Um, so that's what we did. And we, we went and shot this clip. Um, and you know, I could lie and make it all dramatic and say, oh, it was all so awkward. And, but really, honestly, we, we all got on really well. Um, and we got to know each other pretty, pretty fast. Um, and I still keep in touch with them a little bit where I can. Um, but yeah, like just getting to film that was, was an amazing experience really. But yeah, that was how I got involved with Headspace. Um, and I think obviously it's been able to have some impact along with the clip. I like to think of the two things as sort of supplementary to each other. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. I'm very proud of it. It does. It works really well. And that, that conversation of, you know, a group of young fellas, um, just sitting around talking and, you know, and finding out, you know, how they would reach out for help or, um, you know, the conversations that you might have. have you got yourself any mental health tips or any well-being tips for young fellas growing up these days? Um, well, I think I've sort of, I mean, everyone's different, obviously, but I've found what works for me is really just doing your best to find a good connection with someone. You know, everybody's got to have a friend. Um, so getting a, you know, you really don't need a lot three or four mates, really good mates that you can talk to, um, you know. And I certainly, I know that's not always as easy as it sounds. I struggled with that for a while. Um, but, you know, if you can't find people locally, look further afield at um, things that you've, you know, things that you've been to around. Obviously not everybody's as lucky as I am that they've gotten to travel Australia already and connect with all these amazing people with a lot of similar interests to me. Obviously. I've got loads of music friends and we all go to Tamworth every year and we meet up, but, you know, I talk to them a fair bit. Social media is a beautiful thing. A lot of people shun it and they say, oh, you know, it's bad for your mental health, not getting outside and being on your phone all the time. And that, you know, that is true to a degree. Again, I think it's everything in moderation, but certainly for me getting to connect with those people, it sucks because it's through a screen, but, um, you know, it's, it's good to maintain those friendships, but I mean, obviously, ideally you're going to have a couple of mates locally, but I think honestly, just connection and particularly finding people with similar interests. Like most of my friends at school have got at least something to do with music. We all do music classes together. We do the occasional performance, you know? So I think having, having friends that you can really count on, um, but also they all like the same things as, as you do, I think really helps. So what does Rory do to keep things in balance? 
obviously you've got your schooling, you've got a reasonably hectic schedule with, with your music career. What do you do to keep things in balance? Well, I just, I mean, I obviously go through periods of working very hard. Um, so I suppose to balance that out, I enjoy being a couch potato. But, you know, also I there's there's some special things I like to do um, where I can. Often in the holidays, I love to go camping. I love camping so much. Um, so I don't know, I suppose that's sort of getting out and connecting with the great outdoors. You know, there's some amazing spots around here in Tumut. We're surrounded by mountains and trees and all this beautiful landscape. So I love to get out and just be one with nature. Um, I, I mean, I know you can see it coming, but I play a lot of music to de-stress, but often also it's not so much um, playing guitar, you know, like, you know, those people that say, oh, you know, I had a passion, but then I did it too much and it became a chore. And don't get me wrong, it's not like that with guitar, but it is nice to sort of, um, it sort of, it strays into that zone sometimes where I've been doing it a lot and I'm like, oh, I don't want to play guitar at the moment. So I'll go out and I'll play, you know, maybe I'll practice bass or I'll go and play some drums. I love playing drums. Um, I think getting to hit stuff is free therapy. <laughs> um, if you've got anger issues, you should take up the drums. It's great. Yeah. That's my PSA to anybody. Um, I don't, but I know people that play the drums that do, and I know it really helps. Um, so, you know, um, I think it's it's different for everyone really, but just getting back in touch with what you love, things to ground yourself, I think is really good. Oh, that's That's great advice. And to finish off with, I've always got some few, a few questions, but we've probably answered most of them around favourite music. And um, I've asked about mentors, but um, is there anyone in particular that really inspires you? And I know you've talked about, you know, the people that you look up into the into up to in the music industry. But what about um, outside the music industry? Is there anyone that really inspires you, like someone you know, on a global? or local or even local platform, I suppose, that inspires, you know, your um, young being, I suppose. Is there anyone that is, you know, says, oh, you know, they're doing a good thing? Well, you know, um, I know you say outside of the music industry, but most of the people that really do inspire me are in the music industry. I suppose in terms of public figures, I could I could probably think of a few if you gave me some time, but probably one that comes to the top of my head um, would be Greta Thunberg, you know. Um, she was sort of, I wouldn't say she was the sole inspiration for writing the truth, but it was definitely, again, um, a bit of a catalyst type thing for me. You know, I've always been passionate about the climate, the environment, but so many times you see, you know, all the world leaders like, Joe Biden's in his 80s, you know, they're all old people. Um, we need to get some young guys in Parliament. But getting to see um, somebody talking about all the things that, you know, the, the members of normal functioning society know um, and somebody really not afraid to say what they think and what they believe is right, really standing up for a cause, um, particularly a young person, you know, I'm probably, I'd be about her age now when she first 
burst onto the you know the scene i suppose um and getting to see a young person telling telling people these things you know how dare you take away our planet and ruin it for the rest of us because you're old and you're going to die in the next 10 years and you don't care like seeing somebody say that so brutally honestly not afraid to beat around the bush for fear of losing backing from from you know the general population like you know what a what's my party going to think if i say this you know not aligning with any other bigger group than yourself and just going for what you really believe in and what you think is right not afraid to say what you think i think that's very inspiring yeah. um so that's that's one that pops to the top of my mind but also just i think generally just really hard workers i think and Again, I'm going to go back to the music industry. I'm sorry, but um, Fanny Lumsden comes to mind. Um, she's doing a lot of the things that I really look up to. You know, she's like me. She's a rural artist. She's based, you can get to her house from mine in about probably less than an hour and a half. Um, so it's she's not based in a central place like Sydney or Melbourne and so many musicians in the music industry nowadays really think that you have to be in a in a central hub these days to make that career work and don't get me wrong it makes it a lot easier I'm sure but um I guess she's really shown me that if I really wanted to do that sort of thing it's definitely possible um her marketing and her branding is so smart you know she really plays to her strengths like she again a little bit like Sarah and the bushwhackers she sings songs about being on the land and it's a rural audience. It's what she comes from. It's what she knows. So she, you know, everything that she does, she really plays to that. She's got the fabulous country halls to her. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this have probably at least heard of that or probably been to one. Um, you know, it's always kind of left field. It's sort of what whatever whatever anybody else is doing, if they're going in this way, I'm going to go off that way, you know. Um, it's just about being individual. I think that's quite inspiring to me as well. Yep. Last question. And, um, some of these people might be on your list, but if you could hang out with five people and they could be alive or dead, um, but we're not going to include family in this question, who would the five people be? And we and why I asked well, five I why to... I asked five people is because when you were talking about knowing who your close people are, your three or four people, I talk in my talks about, you know, knowing who your five people are. If you know the proverbial hits the fan, who are you gonna lean on? But who are your five people that you would you'd really like to hang out with and um, you know, have a meal or sit around a fire or whatever? Well, um I would have to put uh, Joe Walsh in there and Dave Grohl as well, my two favourite front men from my two favourite bands. Um, so they would have to go in there. Honestly, I think in the situation of, you know, sitting around and having a meal with other people, I would just want somebody who is great company, who has great stories, is, you know, is personable, is funny. Um, and I... <laughs> I know you said this before we started rolling and I sort of, I started thinking about this and it's just come to me now. One of them is somebody I hang out with all the time. I'm very lucky enough to call a mate of mine, um, Mr. Dove Newton from the Bushwhackers. <laughs> he is an incredible man with 
many a story to tell. Anybody that's met Dobe can attest to that. Um, he's got some absolute whoppers. Um, so I reckon I'd probably put him on that list as well. Um, maybe somebody somebody crazy and wild like a Keith Moon or a John Bonham. I think they'd have some pretty cool stories as well. Um, what am I up to? I'll say I'll put Keith Moon on the list. So I'll say Joe Walsh, Dave Grohl, Dobe Newton, Keith Moon. Um, I feel like I'm going to need some sanity in there somewhere. Who's someone I can who I can get that's relatively sane? Maybe maybe Pat Smear from the Foo Fighters as well, because I think he would have some incredible stories. But he gives off the vibe of a big cuddly teddy bear. So I'll put him on there as well. <clears throat> That's a good five. I, I, I actually can't wait for the Foo Fighters tour with a lager phone in it. That would be pretty cool. That would be a new thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> Have David and the Foo Fighters belting out the lager phone. That would be quite good. So to finish off with, if anyone wants to check out your music or where you're playing gigs or anything more about you, where can we where can we look, mate? What, what's the best way to look up um, Rory Phillips. Well, um, on all platforms now, I am Rory Phillips AU. Um, that's because there is a London DJ who I would like to joke has stolen my identity, but he's actually older than me. So the AU is important. Otherwise, you'll find some other dude. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music. On Spotify and Apple Music, I'm just Rory Phillips. Um, but yeah, like you can find me on all the usual places. Um, in terms of gigs, kind of picked a bad time for that because most of my time these days is just being taken up by school spec rehearsals. The show's in November, um, so we're rapidly, rapidly approaching that. Um, it's quite a scary thing, but it's it's happening. Um, so if anybody is a bit of a spec fan or has never seen one and would like to come along and you're around the Sydney area, or if you want to travel, um, you can you can come and buy a ticket to that show. But, you know, if you want to watch it, anybody can watch it. It's going to be broadcast on Channel 7, so that's probably a good one to tune into. Um, I'm also playing at the Wild Vine in Wagga in a little while, two or three weeks, I think. Um, but you can just check socials. I've always got an up-to-date gig guide on there, so whenever people are watching this, um, that's that's the go-to port of call. It's always on there somewhere, usually in my link in bio um, and on my website as well, rorephillips.com.au. You'll find all the information there. Um, so just so that information that I've just said doesn't get dated, yeah, um, wherever, if in doubt, head there and you'll find some recent recent future information. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed the conversation and, um, yeah, I look forward to watching you progress in your your future. Um, Obviously, it's not always going to be with the bushwhackers, but I'll always be keeping an eye out for you, mate. You're a a rare talent and um, I wish you all the best with your future and thanks for coming um, on the podcast and thanks for your time. No, thanks so much for having me, Warren. It's been good. No worries. Cheers. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. And I appreciate any feedback and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast.